Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. It is my honor to be spending the last Friday 
right? Last Friday of August 2022 with all of you superhumans at the largest breakfast table in the world. My name is Yen and I have been listening to Breakfast with Champions and receiving my daily dose of motivation, education and inspiration. It's super <laughs> nutritious, a must have for me every day. Uh, and I've just received so much from this amazing community for over a year now and it's really made a massive difference in my life and I'm really glad to be able to contribute to this early morning segment as well. So as a way of introduction, I am an entrepreneur. I left Wall Street where I worked for 14 years as a professional trader to start a medical AI business in 2019. The company is called Snow Hill Science. And the focus of our deep tech AI powered research is on longevity. So if you're looking for longevity and wellness related content backed by the latest development in technology to listen to, then check out my 10K cards that are pinned on top at yen10k.com. And we also have this YouTube channel called Snowhill Tech um, that was started as my 2022 New Year's plan. And everyone is super warmly well welcome to check out the videos there and forward on to those around you who might benefit from them. And uh, I've also started posting some daily quizzes <laughs> on my LinkedIn, super geeky, but um, you will be able to learn about AI whilst having fun. So other people cannot, say, cannot see what you have answered, okay? But um, I do uh, send a reply after the closing of each quiz after seven days and I do tell people you know what the right answer is and why so feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and participate. I really wish I had all of these resources when I first started learning but back then I only had textbooks so <laughs> do come and make use of what I'm posting there. Again for those of you who have not heard from me before I've been talking about longevity over the past few months here because longevity is the focus of the research we do at our startup. And this longevity series that I am doing here at BWC really, uh, together with my co-host, by the way, Dr. Vince with the blue background, um, who is also here today, it started off really um, seemed random, but um, I do believe it is all God's will. And this was back in February. Um, and I happened to be talking about the importance of paying attention to our bodies, physical bodies, as part of our spirituality. And during that segment, um, and afterwards, I received some really great encouraging feedback from my family right here. And um, it just kind of snowballed afterwards. And so we are still in this longevity for all series uh, where Vince and I basically have the privilege to talk to you all on topics like longevity research in general. Then we talked about fasting, sleep deprivation, exercise. By the way, you can check out the replay and you can also check out the podcast. Um, and then we talked about, um, uh, I believe it was re uh, cardio respiratory capacity. Yes. And then we talked about zone two and we talked about fat as an organ. Interesting, right? And also we did two segments actually on balance and stability. And uh, it's been a real pleasure for us because we can share with you what we look at and think about and research on and build products and services for day in and day out at our firm. But really beyond that, as a speaker and mentor, and um, by the way, I have recently taken up a role as a mentor at the University of Hong Kong's Character Leadership Program and super excited to meet some of the smartest young, young talents 
in the world as part of this program. So as a speaker and mentor, I talk about other things, actually, mostly on different platforms and uh, forums. And uh, these topics would uh, include things like the financial markets um, and artificial intelligence, especially its application in the medical and investment fields. So today's share is kind of related to that. And I also talk about Web3. So feel free to check out some of the replays I saved on Clubhouse. You can find it at the top of my, sorry, bottom part of my bio. And I would love to hear your thoughts. And uh, in general, I try to build some contents that can stay relevant, right, to my friends for a longer period of time. So I also look for longevity <laughs> in the contents, a little bit addicted. But last time here, we talked about the aging population in the world. I don't know if anyone's remembered. And uh, I also talked about this aging population, um, changing in social structure uh, is, uh, is the most acute, right, in Asia. And also I talked about the challenges and opportunities this brings as well as the need to extend our health span on a population level. So today's topic, we will uh, dive down into artificial intelligence and its application in elderly care. A few weeks ago, Dr. Vince and I did a clubhouse room on this and received some encouraging response from people. So we thought we'd share some thoughts here with the BWC family as well. So as we've mentioned during our last segment, the world population has tripled. Does anyone remember uh, what number it was in 1950 and what number it was in 2020? If anyone has great memory, feel free to share that in the chat. So it was 2.9 billion, okay, uh, world population in 1950 to 7.8 billion in 2020. And the average life expectancy, if you remember the old and the new, you can also share that. So. This is often used as a benchmark of population health, right? Average life expectancy. So it has risen from 47 years of age to 73 years of age in these seven decades. That is astonishing. 26 year expansion just within this single time frame. So as a result, as much as we ought to celebrate such an advancement, we also can't deny the fact that as a society, we face a huge demographic challenge, right? Meaning in the next 15 to 20 years, we will see a shift where we, we will have more elderly or aged individuals and less in percentage terms of the so-called working population. So traditionally speaking, the view is that um, a lot of uh, younger people are needed as they contribute to the economy and they support the care right, of the aged population. I see this demographic change being played out more, as I said, in my part of the world currently in Asia, where there is quite a strong sense of family duty to look after the elderly. So my mom, for example, decided to give up her high-flying, high-impact, high-income career to basically look after my grandmother. That was the only reason why she did that. And my grandmother is now a relatively healthy 99 years old lady. And grandma wanted to live in her own home without any live-in professional care, imagine that. And she did it until last year where she finally uh, is now in an elderly care facility where there are attending doctors and nurses 24 seven. But the truth is, she was able to stay in her own home on her own terms because of 
the sacrifices of her two daughters. And even though grandma is now in this care facility, my mom still visits her for many hours every single day. So grandma feels the new place is basically like her own home. So this kind of model obviously can't happen to everyone. And many working people still have to work to support both their own children and their parents. So with the declining num number of people choosing to have children, we will see this pressure intensify in the next few decades. So broadly speaking, all the uh, developed economies will face demographic slowdowns and unprecedented population aging in the decades to come. But Japan stands to be the most heavily burdened by these upcoming trends. So I thought for our discussion today, we will take a look at Japan as an example to start with. Japan has had the deepest and longest fertility decline in modern history, which started in the 1950s, same uh, time frame. So let's take a look at Japan. So by 2008, the country had already recorded just around 40% as many births as it had 60 years earlier. So only 40%. So Japanese childbearing is currently estimated to be nearly 35% below replacement level. In other words, 35% below the level at which they would maintain the same population size. So it is shrinking super fast. But you do have to bear in mind that Japan has enjoyed rapid and continuing improvement in public health since the end of World War II. So this results in one of the highest life expectancies in the world is in Japan. And the Japanese has an average life expectancy of 83 years. And taken together, the country's fertility and migration and mortality trends, Japan will be one of the, of the first ever test case countries that will head into a demographic decline never yet encountered in human history. That's why we talk about Japan, although most of us don't live there. According to the United Nations population statistics estimates, these demographic trends will drive Japan's total population down from 127 million to just 114 million by 2030. You can see that there is a 13 million decline, right? So the relative decline in the working age population is going to be even worse because it's going to drop in the same period from 81 million to 67 million. So that's a 17% decrease. And at the, at the same time, the number of Japanese senior citizens will rise. And by 2030, just eight years from now, the country's median age will be, for the entire country, okay, will be just above 52 years of age with 30% of the total population at 65 years of age or older. So if you're an economist, then these stats might send alarm bells to you because the economic implication of these impending changes are really stark. If you think about the fact that this will lead to a contraction in the country's labor supply, right? We talk about this in America all the time about labor participation, labor supply. This will impact on productivity, as well as wealth creation potential as a whole. So of course, these trends are not unique to Japan. This will happen also to other countries and regions like Hong Kong and Singapore, we mentioned during our last segment, but this will come to Europe and to, to the United States just with a slight delay. Now, 
I am a firm believer that with any problems or challenges, we can spot some opportunities as uh, I think you might have heard. Uh, I know that uh, a certain person uh, on Clubhouse love to talk about uh, chi you know, the various Chinese sayings, but in the Chinese language, I'm sure you have heard by now, this is how the word crisis is actually written. The word crisis is basically danger and opportunity pieced together to make that word crisis. And that's really inspiring, right? And also what's unique with this generation, you and me, is that we can now solve these challenges better with technology. And what we need to do and um, what we are able to do is to find ways to augment the human capital. What does that mean, to augment the human capital? That is to say, we just, we must need, uh, we must, um, we just need to create in, in an environment in which greater returns can be generated by fewer human resources. Sometimes people think less people definitely means less productivity, but that's just not true. We can get more productivity, more returns from um, fewer human resources. So in other words, if you like, we just need to be smarter, right, in the way we work. So perhaps in the future, work will be very different. Individuals might be able to adopt a more, even more flexible working uh, arrangement whilst maintaining a similar level of income. So with more flexibility, for example, to look after the aged family members. And I do think the key answer lies within how we can use emerging technologies. So today I want to speak broadly about three areas due to our time limitation. So first of all is the concept of automation. I know this word can be somewhat triggering to some people. So when people talk about automation, we often think about factories being used to, you know, used to be uh, full of workers and uh, now being replaced, right, by automated systems. So a machine can, for example, uh, print and make 10 t-shirts per minute, whereas it might traditionally take 10 people to make the same task. So I do understand why people worry about this, because it potentially means their jobs will be replaced or taken away. But I am in the camp that this creates new opportunities, potentially freeing people to do other things. Perhaps in the future, there will be a world where we have so many automated systems and can do all of these things like manufacturing, agriculture, etc. And we will have uh, very cheap and abundant supplies of goods and food. And this creates other opportunities and people can then concentrate on doing other things. Perhaps human can focus on actually being present with one another and enjoying relationships and be more creative in what we do and really exploring and innovating in what it is to be human. That is my dream. And then the second thing I want to talk about is that's gonna help us to have more productivity out of the same or less amount of human resource is sensors and wearable technologies. And um, it is not uncommon, right, these days to see cameras around the place in offices and in homes. So with the advancements in artificial intelligence, particularly in the field of computer vision, we can now infer in real life what is happening in the office or in around the home. Uh, you only 
have to look at the capabilities of some of these um, self-driving cars or autonomous vehicles to see the potential of the application of AI in this regard. So within the homes, for example, there are technologies now like sensors which can use low frequency input signal that can, for example, detect if someone has had a fall. These are mature enough now to a level where they don't need to actually capture actual photos of the person. So we can maintain privacy whilst using that technology now. Signals are accurate enough to detect if an elderly person, for example, living alone in their own home has had a fall. So I vividly remember last time I was around when my grandma has had a fall and uh, it was really by God's grace that I noticed she was on the floor relatively soon after the fall had happened because she made no sound and she didn't cry for help. She was just kind of just lying there and just trying to get up. And the one thing that I know for sure is that I really don't want to next time. So when we have the full detection AI, if and when it happens, then an ambulance or a paramedical services can be alerted automatically, right? And beyond that, I did mention about wearables. So wearable technologies is kind of can help us in similar ways. We can monitor various health metrics, things like heart rate and glucose levels, and we can do this continuously. So these are super helpful because remote monitoring, what does that mean? That means the person doesn't have to keep going to the hospital and clinics all the time, or at least we can make these visits less frequent and this will lighten the burdens of everyone involved. And also, now this brings me to my final area where I think there is a lot of innovation that I want to tell everyone, and that is robotics. And this is not robotics in the factory, but robotics in the homes. So there are several functions with these home robots, such as pet robots that will keep people company and um, perhaps provide um, a bit of uh, stimulation for the brain as well as companionship. I think sometimes we overlook these aspects of interaction with the elderly, but really, you know, making sure that, um, you know, our, our elder family members, making sure that they eat well, they are kept safe, is just the basics, right? Keeping, in, keeping the mind uh, sharp as well as companionship is also essential to have if we want them to be healthy over the longer term. So as some of you might know, I am super interested in investing in medical robotics, but truth be told, I always kind of thought that perhaps an elderly person might be somewhat hesitant to interact with home robots and I never actually paid any attention to any early stage startups in this space because of my hesitance. But it turns out I was wrong because I found out in one of the recent survey studies that the acceptance rate was actually quite high amongst the elderly for robots in the homes. And we, of course, value human-to-human -human interaction. But, you know, I, later I thought, oh, maybe for an elderly individual, human-to-robot interaction on top of human-to-human -human is great, especially if human-to-human -human interaction is limited, right, for various reasons for a period of time. So what I consider to be untapped potential of robots, and we know that several companies are already working on this, is 
if a robot can also assist in various tasks around the home. That would be super handy. For example, if they can assist in moving, in tidying, or serving, or cooking, or even uh, reacting to when a person has had a fall, and perhaps if the robot can help to pick them up as well. Imagine that. That's going to be super helpful. And these are the areas I think robots can definitely contribute to our society and to our homes. And of course, we are a little bit far away from these tasks that I am uh, talking about. Uh, but I do know several companies that are working on this, and I do hope that they will become super successful in these. After all, anyone who has an elderly family member will appreciate the fact that they love to stay in their own home for as long as possible. And I think these tools could help them achieve that. And if we had these tools, you know, my mom might not be, you know, might, you know, might be able to stay in her, you know, high-flying job for longer. And I know she would really have loved that. I think this in the end will benefit everyone, both the elderly and the caregiver, so that they can have more flexibility, more time to focus on other areas, or remain in the workforce, uh, in my mom's example, uh, to stay productive and continue to contribute to the overall society for longer. And I think with the combination of automation and robotics use, technology is going to help us address this demographic challenge that I talked about at the start of today's segment, which as a society we will face in the next few decades as we become more and more like Japan wherever we live. So let's leverage our modern technology, especially AI, machine learning, robotics, so that we can empower one another to do more of what we are good at and what we enjoy as we, as today's title, as we rise, evolve and impact together. So with that, I'd like to take a pause here and I want to see if we have any responses or comments from our friends on our stage. And uh, Dr. Vince, my co-founder at Snow Hill Science is here as well. And he is, he would love to take some questions if you have any. So hey, feel yeah. free to just unmute. Hey, yes. Good morning, it's Lolita, how are you? <laughs> hey Lolita, how are you? Good, our podcast is coming out soon. <laughs> um, yay, so yeah, um, I am a fan of robotics. I'm an industrial engineer by trade. And so it's so fascinating to me. But I'll tell you, one of the, maybe it's fears. That's a great word for this. One of the fears that come along with it is the security that goes around it. Because the more and more we lean into AI, and I know it's coming, change is coming, is the more and more I see how um, invasive, for lack of a better word, it is. So I'm talking here to you and Alexa's listening. Right. I'm talking here to you. My phone is listening and I just have this feeling of tracking. So my question to you is um, because you're in it from the research perspective and doing work in the field, how safe do you feel with the new technologies that you see coming? Absolutely. This is such an important question. And I think, you know, whenever we, uh, you know, consider, you know, which uh, products to back, which products to 
uh, purchase, we need to really look into the privacy part as well. I know that Dr. Vince might have something to say, but um, you know, I just want to highlight that, for example, the uh, and you know, I want to say that technology is moving, and I think you know, privacy concerns um, is something that um, you know, every successful product, every successful founder will need to look into, and that's why it's evolving all the time because people understand if you cannot solve this problem, people don't buy your product. So, for example, the uh, the camera that I talked about, right? Um, so previously, the only way to cap capture uh, these falls uh, was by actually taking real photos. And then you basically use a computer vision to distinguish you know, what's happening. But now uh, the technology is so that take, you know, the actual cap capture of the photos is not necessary and it is not used. It's basically just by signals. And, um, and uh, that has, you know, since the invention of that, um, that's really improved the, um, you know, the acceptance as well as uh, the utility um, of these cameras that can help us detect force within the, within the house or movement within the house. And that is, um, you know, one of the uh, uh, examples I want to give. And I really think that people, and I know that various companies are trying to build uh, products that does not involve uh, taking images of your home to to basically accomplish these tasks. So that's you know that's one thing I want to talk about. I hope I'm not eating into Dr. Vince's time, but I want to make one more point, Dr. Vince. Let me finish. So uh, there's always okay. <laughs> there's always going to be tension, right? On the one hand, privacy concerns, but on the other hand, you do uh, need the service because you, there is a need, right? For example, you know a lot of people talk about cam, you know, security cameras that AI can do. So these days, people. Um, because it works both ways. So previously, right, someone can uh, maybe put on your own clothes and pretend to be you, and or you know, uh, you know, do some you know fac facial configuration and to enter into you know to cheat the cameras and enter into your property without triggering triggering the alarms. But now people, you know, AI actually can detect from the way people walk. So if uh, you know if a criminal is pretending to be you, it wouldn't work because first of all, the height would match. Secondly. The, the way they walk also doesn't match. So AI is getting smarter and in that, you know, in that sense, it's also making us safer. So I think you know, we need to kind of look at the picture in, you know, uh, holistically, I think you know, is the point I want to make. And over to you, Dr. Vince. I won't interrupt you. No, that's fine. Yeah, thanks, Yen. So super, super important topic and question. And of course, I think it's you know, actually not a unique challenge um, with just robotics and AI, but actually with any emerging technologies, as you mentioned already, you know, things, you know, IoT things, our smartphones, all these things are collecting data, you know, from us all the time and are tracking. And, and not even that, I mean, you know, what we browse, like on social network and all these things, these are all you know, being tracked. So so how, how private does one want or need to be? I think it's a, it's a more kind of broader, you know, question about, um, you know, how we use and interact with these technologies. But I would say that with particular, you know, um, in, in, in terms of AI and machine learning, you know, we are um, working on this particular problem. And, you know, in one of our areas of research, we're working on something called privacy preserving AI. And, you know, this is one of the areas that I've been applying in, in medical imaging and something called federated learning, which basically can, you know, use the data from, you know, an individual some hospital centers, but actually still preserve, you know, the identity and the, the preserving the you know, anonymity of, of that particular subject. But 
you, know, you can still make that you know information useful in terms of the the training and the inferencing, you know, in a more broader scale. So it doesn't actually reveal the individual's information, but it still can be helpful. But yeah, this is an emerging area, and I think it's super super important for people to be working on. So yeah, so I pass my back to you, Yan. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lolita, for that question. And thank you, Dr. Vince, for bringing up federated learning. If anyone wants to find out what it is, you might be able to find it on my LinkedIn, right? <laughs> so I'm doing quizzes all the time. So that could be a question that comes up. So that's it from us because of time. And I want to thank everyone for listening. And for those of you who are not on stage currently, we will be checking through the Instagram and the Twitter DMs as well as Clubhouse room chats uh, very shortly. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.